Welcome back to React Native Radio Podcast. The only podcast with native, react, and radio in its title. Episode 210, Exploring Shopify's Restyle with Haris Mahmood. All right, so Robin is out this week because she was prepping this week for Microsoft's Web Wednesday, which was yesterday because we are recording on a Thursday. Uh, did you get a chance to tune into that, John Major? I did. It was amazing. I did too. I really, really liked So Robin's not the type of person who naturally gravitates to behind a microphone. Usually it takes some amount of effort to kind of push her in that direction. You would have never guessed. Yeah, right? Like she is so natural behind it, the microphone. And this time it was live coding, you know, like a live stream in front of a bunch of people, Microsoft stream with Christopher Harrison. And she did such a great job. Yeah. My heart would have been uh, up in my throat if if I was doing that <laughs> uh, live coding. Uh, but she looked so calm. Um, and it, it was seriously a fantastic job. Uh, I got to learn a lot. I never seen yeah. uh, like the rendering of a component from a well from Android to iOS. Yes, I've seen that you know shared component style, right. but not not to web. Yeah, so that was pretty cool to see all three sharing a component. Yeah, her topic was that she was basically sharing React Native and React Native Web uh, with the same component across a browser, Android, and iOS. With an audience that has never really seen React Native at all. Like, mm -hmm. this was brand new to them entirely. And I think that was a really cool... Uh, it, it, she did a great job. It was uh, it, it was great to, to watch her. And we, we had uh, good support from the team, kind of, uh, you know, giving her giving her cheers in there. So that was, that was fun. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. But she gets the week off of the podcast, of course, because that's plenty. <laughs> it's plenty on her plate, along with her normal duties of leading leading a I, I guess one of the bigger projects at Infinite Red right now. That's what she's doing. And both John Major and Mazin are on her project. Speaking of which, I am joined by my grand co-hosts here, John Major, as well as our guest host, Mazin Chami. And a guest also today, who I will introduce shortly, uh, but really quickly, John Major lives in Janesville, Wisconsin, is a senior software engineer here at Infinite Red. He's also the editor-in-chief of the React Native Newsletter. And Maz Chami lives in Durham, North Carolina. He is a former pro soccer player and coach and is a senior React Native engineer, also here at Infinite Red. How's it going, Mazen? Going well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well, too. Uh, and by the way, I guess I should introduce myself for those who maybe are Tuning in for the first time, I'm Jamin Holmgren, co-founder and CTO of Infinite Red, and I live in Southwest Washington State near Portland, Oregon. With us here today is not Harris. Uh, Harris is not here today. He actually has, uh, he pulled a muscle in his back or did something. I don't know. He's, the dude is really, really hurting right now. So we were like, okay, take the time to like get, get better. We brought in a guy with one fewer R's in his name, Hottis. Did I say that right, Hottis? Is that correct? Absolutely nailed it. Oh, perfect. I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, Haris Mahmoud. Haris is a designer, developer, and educator based in Toronto. He currently works at Shopify. Uh, he has teached at various places. It also sells some awesome tech pins on Repit Supply. And I, I want to, what's a tech pin? <laughs> 
Yeah. So a few years ago, I noticed that there was a pretty big surge and hype around enamel pins all of a sudden. And I realized that there was no one in the market focusing on us fellow developers. Uh, so I decided to uh, take a stab, start my own uh, Shopify store, where I ended up manufacturing yeah. and selling some JavaScript pins and React pins and all that good stuff. That's <laughs> awesome. And were you currently, were you working at Shopify when you when you put up your own Shopify store? Yeah, absolutely. That's something that they really recommend that we try and do to sort of, you know, be merchants okay. ourselves, build that empathy to yeah. what it's like to use that the the tooling and the software itself. Um, definitely goes a long way. You know, I, I always thought that that would be kind of cool. Like if you were working on something that you also use and you're just like, man, why don't we have a, a button here? Like we need a button, like a shortcut from here to there. And you just like are able to maybe talk to the product owner and be like, hey, I want to add this button <laughs> and then just go in and add it. Developers, sometimes I feel like we forget to use the product that we build um, out of development. And I think it's it's really good that you get the opportunity to build your own store and get to play around with it and see how it works. And like you said, Jamin, like you need an extra button, you can kind of ask ask your the project leads to help you build that. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it definitely helps to notice some things that you feel are missing or could be better, give that feedback to the appropriate teams and even sometimes play a role in implementing some of those changes. It's a pretty cool cycle and mm -hmm. it just makes the whole experience even better. I love it. I love it. Now you have you've been involved in another thing called Focus Pocus. Can you talk uh, real quickly about what that's about? It's that's a great cool. name, by the way. <laughs> uh, thanks very much. So Focus Pocus, unfortunately, is uh, has been sunsetted. But this was my first uh, foray into the world of building a little product on the side. It was a form processing tool to help folks who didn't know much about backend code to help them, uh, you know build out um, contact forms and whatnot on static websites. And uh, the, the Focus Focus tool will take care of all the processing of those forms itself. Yeah, it makes sense. Forms is always a, a thing that like, it's kind of a specialized skill in some ways, but it's such a common thing that needs to be done. Uh, specialized in the, in the sense that like really knowing it well is, is more uncommon. Almost everybody's implemented forms if you're a developer, but. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, it sort of spawned from a need from when I was, teaching at these various boot camps and uh, nonprofits yeah. where learning how to build forms in HTML and CSS was part of the course material and everyone was super excited. But obviously when you try and actually submit the form, nothing happens. So this sort of came out of like a need mm. to fill that gap while these folks went off and learned a little bit more about uh, backend development and how to maybe support uh, form processing for themselves. Yeah. Awesome. Well, very much appreciate you coming on the show here today and, and welcome, Harris. It's, it's, it's great to have you. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. This episode is sponsored by Infinite Red. Infinite Red is a premier React Native design and development agency located fully remote in the USA and Canada with years of React Native experience since it was released and deep roots in the React Native community. We are the hosts of Chain React, the conference. We also publish the React Native newsletter to over 12,000 subscribers. John Major does, I should say. I like to say we, because it sounds like I have something to do with it, but it's it's John Major. <laughs> Let's just be honest here. Infinite Red is the best choice to for your next React Native app. Hit us up, hello at infinite.red, or just email me directly, jamin at infinite.red. And uh, of course, you have, if you have any complaints uh, about this episode, you can email John Major at infinite.red. That is where that's where complaints go, right, John Major? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, that's, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, please don't. The, 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 the deer in the headlights look. You know that he would just forward it to me anyway. Yeah, I have all my emails ready forward to you. So just directly. Yeah. <laughs> I email you and it comes back to me and then I do it, whatever I just need to do. Yeah. Learn more on our website, infant.red slash React Native. Don't forget to mention that you heard about us through the React Native Radio podcast. And also we are hiring. If you're a senior level React Native engineer located in the US or Canada, go to careers.infinite.red and fill out the form. All right, let's get into the topic for today. Exploring Shopify's restyle. I'm I'm really excited about this because I've never used restyle, but when I was looking through it, kind of uh, both when I first heard about it and then also when I was doing a little more in-depth prep for this podcast, it looked a lot like the direction we were trying to go with Ignite's sort of built-in system, but way more mature, way more mature, way more full-featured, better thought through. Like Ignite's is decent and we use it for a lot of apps, but it's definitely like it's like step four and you're at step 10, you know, and I, I really like this. It's very, very cool. Before we get into restyle though, tell us a bit about how you ended up at Shopify. So about five and a half years ago, I was working at an agency, working on a variety of different types of projects, some mobile, some desktop, some web, everything in between. And at that time, I had always had my eyes set on Shopify. I really liked the product that they were building. I loved the e-commerce space. And I knew I eventually wanted to try and uh, weasel my way in. Um, fortunately, they were hiring and they had just started to build out their front-end development team at that time based in Toronto. And that was the perfect opportunity for me to apply. And uh, long story short, I've uh, been around for almost six years at this point. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you're you're a long timer there. That's that's awesome. I, I've used Shopify for at least that long, I think, and just for building for, for clients and also uh, did a little bit of stuff for myself with it. And I, I've always been a big fan. Like I always think that like Shopify is a great product. It's, it's fantastic. So we know a lot of, I mean, most of us, I guess, know what Shopify is, but what's Shop? That's a good question. So Shopify has predominantly focused on the merchant space, trying to make the merchant experience as excellent as possible. And Shop was Shopify's experiments into the realm of building something that's more buyer-focused and trying to solve problems that exist for the buyer space. Mm. The app originally started um, a number of years ago and was called Arrive at that time. And the primary problem it solved was package tracking. Package tracking in general has always been a garbage experience. You've got a whole bunch of tabs open. You're copying and pasting tracking codes all over the place. It's just a disaster. So the focus of Arrive at the time was to build a mobile app that would automatically pull in tracking details from your emails and visualize all of that data for you in maps, give you status updates on where your packages were send up push notifications when things were out for delivery, that sort of thing. Since then, Arrive has evolved into what is now Shop. We've sort of built more features on top of the core uh, offerings, and we're now focused a lot more on the uh, rediscovery of shops that you've previously purchased from, and also to help you discover new shops in the Shopify ecosystem. So I'm someone who used Arrive and now is using Shop. Um, And I just realized, honestly, (laughs) today that Shopify owns shop. So uh, my question, did Shopify purchase Arrive or was Arrive always shop? (laughs) So Arrive was always part of Shopify. It sort of lived under our experimental slash garage group for a little bit, which is where I started off. And uh, since then, as it sort of built its own presence in the space, um, it's developed a name for itself. 
but it's always been uh, part of shop uh, Shopify from the get-go. Let's talk about Restyle and how that came about. So Restyle is an open source library. It's on GitHub and it says it's a type enforced system for building UI components in React Native with TypeScript. I love that type is in there twice. Like this is clearly a, a first class citizen is TypeScript. But let's let's talk about like what it is and how that came about. Absolutely. At the start of building Arrive, which is now Shop, there was just a couple of developers. We originally started off with just two folks building out some experiments, and there were just three React Native developers who were responsible for building the initial version of what is Shop today. At that time, we didn't have too many screens to worry about, too many components to worry about, and we were already starting to feel the limitations of the default styling mechanisms that React Native ships with. Since then, we've scaled immensely. We've got tons of new features and new components and screens, and our team has increased in size tremendously. During that time, we really, really noticed the pain points that existed with the uh, default styling systems. And we knew that we needed to find a better alternative. The two major problems that came about that really needed, that really forced us to take a step back and analyze what we wanted to do was one, when we were repeatedly asked uh, for supporting dark mode, that you know was all the rage and still is, and we at that time didn't support dark mode. And uh, the second was as we were preparing for the rebrand for Arrive to Shop, we wanted to continue building out new features in Arrive and making it look like Arrive while making sure that it would fit with the new styling system that we wanted for Shop. So all of a sudden, we now needed to support arrive and shop styling both in light and dark mode and the default way of handling styles was just impossible uh, a coworker of mine mm -hmm. and i tried to see what that might look like with the style sheet api and our heads were about to explode it was an awful experience <laughs> and we could only imagine how much more complicated it would get to introduce two new themes to that entire system. So at this time, a few of our coworkers uh, who were previously part of uh, another company named Ticktail, which became part of Shopify through an acquisition, they had played around with something like Restyle. They had sort of a MVP version of Restyle that they had used mm -hmm. internally to help build some of the uh, products that they did in-house. Restyle is essentially a much more polished and crisp version of those tools in the flavor that makes most sense for Shopify and how we build React Native at Shopify. The primary goals of Restyle were to solve a lot of those uh, scaling problems. Like how can we make sure that anyone at the company doesn't run into too many headaches and aren't stepping on each other's feet while trying to skin the components and screens that they're building and sort of have this idea of theming capabilities built right from the get-go. So if and when an app decides to support a dark mode theme or an alternate theme entirely, it's almost trivial to do so. And lastly, TypeScript is very, very big at Shopify and like heavily used across all of our web projects and React Native projects. So we really wanted to see if we could tie that in and benefit from the obsession that we had internally with the magic that was TypeScript. So looking at the documentation of Restyle, um, it looked very familiar right away. Having used Styled System, which is what uh, I believe it's inspired off of, uh, what 
rough percentage would you say is there of styled system and restyle? The concept of having these high-level components that sort of accept a variety of different props for styling is the main concept that is heavily reflected from the style systems concept. We obviously deviated heavily to be able to accommodate the uniqueness that React Native uh, needs to support. And along with some of the naming conventions that we decided to change to make a little bit more explicit with the prop names and the various component types that we sort of bundle out of the box for React Native. Nice. So then uh, when it comes to the different predefined components in React Native, there are the concept of variants, which also applies, I believe, in, well, a lot of different styled libraries. So are those variants, though, only possible with the predefined React Native components, or can you create variants in your theme for custom components? Restyle ships with the ability to create a standardized default view component, which we refer to as a box component and also a text component. Both of these have support built in right off the bat to support variants. But if you decided to introduce a very you know, a completely custom component, maybe let's say a card component powered by Restyle, there is a way for you to introduce variant support custom to that specific component that you create as well. So it's not there by default, but Restyle provides all the tools and functions that you would need to make that possible. Nice. So then would you say that you would uh, put all of the styles inside uh, Restyle in the theme, or would you maybe use Create Style alongside it? Restyle does support the default style sheet API as well. You can pass in custom styles using the style prop if needed, but we try and avoid it as much as possible. We really like to enforce the theme concept and the the single point of entry for all things uh, style related, uh, whether that's spacing, typography, colors, etc. We do understand that there are certain instances where needing to pass in really, really custom and unique styles for, let's say, when you're uh, fighting with a flatless component, for example. Uh, There are circumstances when that's necessary, but if you're just building UI components, uh, we really recommend just sticking with what Restyle provides right out of the box through the theme file and not relying on passing in custom styles using the style prop. Right on. I saw in the Restyle repo that you have Polaris tokens. Um, Can you explain a little bit what that is and um, how that comes full circle back to Restyle? So I'm I'm not super familiar with the origins of where tokens came from, but from what I do understand is the the idea of tokens is to create a unified set of values that can be pulled into various projects that adhere to a specific style system. Polaris is Shopify's style system. Um, it's super well documented. We really like to ensure that anything that we're building adheres to the concept of Polaris, uh, whether that's uh, partner apps, whether that's internal dashboards, whether that's our marketing sites. Shop sort of lives outside that, given that we have our own aesthetic and our own branding, but the rest of Shopify tries to adhere to Polaris as much as possible. Polaris also provides design tokens to accommodate its various sizing values, color values, et cetera. And Restyle has the ability to pull in those design tokens from Polaris and use those to generate your theme that you would build UIs based off of. So it's almost like a helper tool to give you specific sizing and or colors, essentially. 
Exactly. Because by default, the, the theme file that you create for restyle is empty. You haven't, there's no predefined values that restyle comes with. There's no default themes that restyle ships with either. The idea is for you to implement your own. And through tokens, you can essentially generate some of that stuff a lot quicker. And you can make sure that the values that you're bringing in are consistent with what the Polaris team has shipped out as their Polaris design tokens. Awesome. Earlier, you mentioned that, you know, Restyle is built with TypeScript. Can you go into a little bit more what led to your decision to use TypeScript and have that be a first-class citizen in Restyle? So Shopify has spent the last number of years really building out their understanding of JavaScript, their love of JavaScript. We've got dedicated uh, web foundations teams that focus on all things JS and React and all the tooling to support the work that we do at Shopify for web projects. From the get-go, TypeScript was sort of like integral to what they built out. And it made sense for us to carry some of those learnings over into our React Native projects as well. As I was getting started in React Native, I hadn't actually played around with TypeScript at that point and very quickly saw the value of it, especially as we were scaling the size of our team and you know doubling in size almost every month. We very, very quickly went from just the two or the three folks at the start to 20 plus client developers working on the same code base. So TypeScript in general was super valuable. Plus the majority of the API work that we do at Shopify is powered by GraphQL. GraphQL is inherently typed as well. And that just made it even clearer to be able to, for us to use TypeScript on the client side, just so we could like really, you know, uh, leverage the capabilities that, and the flexibility and the power that GraphQL provides us uh, with providing typed data. On top of that, just the benefit of using TypeScript itself to ensure that our, it, it almost acts as like our first line of defense for code quality and reducing bugs and whatnot across the board. And sort of has become the default way we write JavaScript at Shopify to the point where you could hop onto any React or JS project at Shopify or even React Native at this point and immediately feel at home because the chances of them using TypeScript are super, super high. Similarly for GraphQL and a number of projects also use Restyle. So just having TypeScript sort of connect all those things together just makes it super cohesive and an awesome work experience. That's great. Yeah, Mazin's a big uh, proponent of TypeScript here at Infinite Red, which we we've always been like. I guess we've used it for about four years now, and and we love it, of course. But when Mazin came on board this year, uh, he's he's been pushing us even further, which is great. And uh, I I love that because it's it's not just about like I mean like it's all the reasons that you said, and it's also like uh, scaling and, and onboarding too is such a big thing because like someone comes on board or or you or you're 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 ramping up your team size or whatever and you can just sort of make sure that these i guess implicit contracts for code are are explicit and enforced it's like uh, this is the api and you're gonna you're gonna use it this way or else it won't compile basically yeah absolutely i was recently onboarding someone with a traditional ios uh coding background into react native so sort of gave them a crash course in all things javascript first before we talked about typescript and they were visibly frustrated at the lack of typing and how you can just throw whatever <laughs> you want into any arrays or any objects and stuff. And I could clearly see like, you know, like how just JS by itself was causing so much confusion. And I just said, don't worry, when we get to TypeScript, all of these issues go away. <laughs> um, so it's it, it also really helps when traditional native developers from iOS and Android are coming to 
a React Native project as well, they can see some of those um, uh, typing requirements filled by what TypeScript provides rather than needing to just use JS instead. Something I noticed in the recent um, years is switching to uh, TypeScript, there's less of like the guessing game, which we're all talking about. But when you go from JavaScript to TypeScript, you don't really need much documentation or much tribal knowledge at first because you get so much of the autocomplete feature uh, that you didn't have, you know, with like JavaScript and VS Code. And VS Code does a great job, but with like TypeScript on top of VS Code, it works wonders. Absolutely. I think the way I write code has changed dramatically the more we've leaned into all things TypeScript. My reliance on having documentation open has decreased as time has gone by, and I'm leaning more into what TypeScript provides, the autocomplete that VS Code does for us as well. It's it, it's it's really cool to see the shift of how we spend our time as developers as time has uh, moved uh, moved by in the last few years. I love thinking of TypeScript as a first line of documentation for you know your preset design components because then you don't have to you know go out there and check the documentation for that specific component and see what the props are. You essentially hover over it in in VS Code and see exactly what, what are the required fields to get you the minimum component and then eventually kind of get deeper into, into what it is. And that's great. My next question is about accessibility. How big of a role does accessibility play in Restyle? Accessibility itself doesn't play a super big role in Restyle, but it does play a big role in how we build React Native projects at Shopify as a whole. Accessibility is baked into everything that we do. So from the Polaris design system, uh, how you should write content, how you should structure content, accessibility rules start there, built into the fundamentals of how we think about products and how we think about design. At that point, the the themes and the designs that we build are based off of color palettes and uh, typography systems, and we make sure that those adhere to the standards and protocols that we need to make sure that what we're building at the end of the day is accessible. Creating these foundations and then relying on these to build our UIs using Restyle, along with the various uh, props that we get from React Native by default, plus some additional like finessing that we've had to do ourselves, results in a pretty accessible experience. This is something that we're still working on, something that we're still learning as well. Shopify as a whole is relatively young in in the React Native space. So there's lots of uh, education and lots of like context building that we're doing on what the best practices are when it comes to accessibility for React Native. But I think we're making pretty good progress. I'm super stoked with the amount of work that we've done on the shop app so far, and we're, we'll continue to do so in the future. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we actually the the project that Robin Mazin and John Majors were, are working on right now. Is, accessibility is not. It, it feels like sometimes uh, when client, clients come to us, which I love you clients if you're listening to this. But uh, sometimes accessibility isn't the top priority <laughs> uh, or even a priority at all. And uh, luckily, the project that they're working on right now, they came to us and they said accessibility is totally a, a, a primary concern here. And so it's been something that we've been able to kind of push deeper into and expand our core knowledge around accessibility within React Native, as well as just kind of just kind of building a library of like of, of knowledge around uh, what types of things we have to be thinking about and also just kind of exploring and finding where the edges are because some third-party modules aren't as good at this. Uh, some, you know, maybe ways that we're approaching this aren't as good and we have to really be thinking about that. Yeah, and I think certain times folks will just think 
Accessibility means needing to support things like high contrast mode or, you know, just like the, uh, the super default and obvious assumptions that people make when it comes to what accessibility means. Whereas we've, we really like to widen that lens and sort of tackle all aspects of accessibility, obviously from things like color contrast, but also to font scaling, which is baked into every mobile platform and tons and tons of people will scale their fonts up even a tiny bit just to make it a little bit easier for them to read because I guess like the world has gravitated and moved towards using tinier and tinier fonts. And that's definitely not like, you know, super helpful to my parents, especially. So even scaling your fonts up a tiny bit, like a lot of apps just don't support that and just have like these fixed sizing values or as text scales, it immediately breaks their UIs and render them completely unusable. So I think there's a lot of education that needs to be built up as well, just in this space in general. I think there's lots of folks who don't fully understand the realm of accessibility and how broad it is and the ways that you can make your app more accessible. So I think that's a constant challenge and something that we're like working on internally as well and running little workshops and, you know, building these um, example cases to help educate the company uh, as a whole. Yeah, those are some great examples. And I think that the, I guess tech being generally younger, uh, population, you know, just on average kind of hurts us a little bit in that where, where we don't really think about it. Now I'm almost 40, so I'm starting to get to the point where I'm going to start probably thinking about that, but like, (laughs) but like, I I guess it's just something where I can see this just fine. Like why would someone have a problem with that? Well, yeah, I mean, that's because you're 25 and have 2020 vision or, you know, <laughs> glasses, I guess. But, uh, you know, like uh, that, that is that's a great point. And having having uh, making it so that building accessible apps is really no more difficult than building a normal like I shouldn't say normal, but a, a, just a, an app where that's not a priority. Make it this like remove the friction, like have tools, uh, have uh, processes in place where. You just make it that way. It's just it's just kind of how you do business. Yeah, I think where we've found the the biggest challenge is not necessarily making components accessible or just implementing some of like the basic foundations of how you build an accessible app, but rather the um, UX behavior of certain elements. You know, how do you expect this interactive map to behave? if you have voiceover turned on. Those are some of like the weirder questions mm-hmm. that we have to try and figure out answers to that aren't as straightforward, right? So things like, oh, applying a label to images and, uh, you know, like accessibility props to buttons. Those things are very trivial and super straightforward. But it's some of those like interesting UX patterns is where things get pretty tricky. And I think that's where like, you know, where a lot of knowledge is lacking and there's not a lot of like best practices put into place yet. So it's still a little bit of like a wild west when it comes to that. But it's uh, pretty cool to see lots of companies and lots of folks putting in the effort to make their apps accessible and helping define some of these uh, best practices moving forward. So we've been pushing more this year into what we call React Native All Platforms. We have a hashtag, React Native All Platforms. And we're really pushing into, because we we basically made the decision that we're going to do React Native wherever it is. We're not going to be doing React.js. We're not going to be doing backend, you know, to to uh, to any major degree really our focus at infinite red is going to be react native 
And but that means really going wherever it is. So does Restyle have support for React Native Web, you know, Mac OS, TVOS, Windows? Do you have you like pushed into any of those other uh, like uh, secondary platforms? So Restyle today doesn't support anything aside from iOS and Android. And that's because Shopify as a whole hasn't really delved into too much uh, React Native besides that. There is, however, one team that recently shipped uh, a rebranded Shopify ping as Shopify Inbox, which uses mm. React Native Web. And they really loved the experience. They shared a ton of their learnings internally as well. But so far, they've really been the only ones to use React Native Web. I feel that as the need grows internally and as there's mm -hmm. a bigger uh, pull towards uh, more React Native web projects, I wouldn't be surprised if Restyle um, sort of built out some functionality to support that too. Every time that we talk about React Native web, I bring this up, but I'm going to do it again. I, I'm i of the opinion that React Native web is what React.js should have been because React.js is still too coupled to web. It's like, why, are you, why did you call that a div? Why did you call that a span? For one thing, those those words don't mean anything. Uh, you know, like <laughs> I don't even know who who came up with these this naming. You know, div span. Um, I, I like what you did. Box a box makes sense. I can tell my my eight year old, hey, draw a box on the screen. She knows what it is. If I tell her draw a div on the screen, she's not going to have <laughs> any clue. Uh, so, but I look at like you know React Native Web brings in view, it brings in text, it brings in things that are uh, kind of a, an abstraction layer above whatever platform you're pushing it to by necessity, because of course, iOS and Android had different names for things. So they had to abstract, abstract it. They didn't just have one platform. So I bring this up every time React Native Web is what React.js should have been. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I think um, right now, if I were to broach that subject to rewrite everything that is in React.js to React Native, um, <laughs> a lot of people would not be very happy with me, given how they much React. Very happy with you. Yeah, given how much React.js code we have, but uh, I, I wouldn't I be surprised if you know, like, especially if we spawn off and run some experiments or build some new products off of the shop mm -hmm. ecosystem that needs to use a lot of what the React Native apps already provide, React Native Web would be like super ideal for that. Yeah, totally. All right, so I'm going to ask you a hard question, you know, because uh, we're, we're hard-hitting journalists here uh, <laughs> on the React Native Radio podcast. Uh, so what sucks about Restyle? Ooh, I like to use Restyle in all of my personal projects as well, or like hack days and that sort of a thing. I really do think that Restyle needs to ship with at least one theme just so you have a starting mm. point. Needing to worry about a color palette and basic typography requirements just seems a little too much if you're just trying to experiment. I would love to see, see. a default starter theme. You know, like there's plenty out there that exists. It doesn't have to be super full featured. It would be great to just be able to prototype something a lot quicker. It's just far too much of a lift to build a basic theme right off the bat. That totally makes sense to me. And and I I, I could see that as really a, a that's a that's a decision that was made to keep it lighter and and really more more focused but uh but i i like that idea of of it shipping with with a default theme or maybe having a place you can go where you can just grab copy paste uh themes really easily and kind of see what they look like that's a great idea i love that so then in terms of what's next for restyle 
would you say what you just said that sucks about Restyle would be next? Or is there something else? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so I feel like now I have to do this. I, I have to. Build wow, this. that was a trapping question, wasn't it? <laughs> well we done. Totally trapped you into it. Well done. I mean, I, I'm pretty jazzed by that idea. I think I, I definitely want to. I think that's a cool thing to take on. Aside from that, there aren't any super big features or needs that we've identified that we need to implement for Restyle just yet. Um, there's a number of teams using Restyle at Shopify, and everyone's been pretty stoked about what it's providing out of the box. If things come up, especially things like React Native web support, I think those might be opportunities for us to dive more into building out some more features for, uh, for Restyle. But for the time being, it's in a pretty good spot. We'll need some continuous maintenance just to make sure we're addressing bugs and addressing, you know, just version updates and such. But uh, feature-wise, I think we're in a pretty good space unless um, we delve into some really, really interesting new directions. For people who really want to get into Restyle, their peak, their interest is peaked here. What's the best way to kind of get started with it? Great question. So definitely head on over to the GitHub repo. It's github.com slash Shopify slash Restyle. And there's an awesome set of installation instructions that walk you through all the steps that you need to get going. It may seem like a lot. It may seem like it's pretty daunting, but I promise you it's not. It's just very feature rich. And by default, you don't need to use most of it. You'll mostly be defining a brand new theme, which is just a big JSON object that defines your spacings, your colors, your breakpoints, that sort of a thing, and putting together a provider that is able to handle and accommodate your various themes. And then finally, building out your new box and text components to be able to begin using the values that you've defined in your theme object. So that's all you really need to get started. That's excluding things like, you know, uh, theme toggling and creating your own custom React components. But if I were to NPM install and go through all the setup instructions right now, it wouldn't take you more than five minutes to go through everything. It's pretty straightforward. It's fantastic. Yeah, looking at this readme, there are a lot of code examples. There are a lot of like, uh, you know, there's a reference to everything. Um, it, it looks really good. The The readme looks good. And uh, I can't wait to dive into this. I'm going to definitely be playing around with it myself on on some some stuff. So, yeah, very, very cool. Jamie's going to have a PR for you for the <laughs> what quote-unquote sucks <laughs> yes please uh, and uh, I or, or i'll email you john major and then it'll come back to me and then i'll then i'll have to do it <laughs> or uh maybe even uh maybe even a jamin themed uh starting theme for restyle <laughs> i love it uh i don't know if i don't know if people want to re- rely on my design experience but you know what uh i could give it a try uh we did have a question for uh, for you from the community, David Lulet, a good friend of mine, says, uh, I use Restyle with all my clients and it increases productivity for sure. No more inception design development with five levels of abstraction. Uh, question, how would you handle the new Pressable API with Restyle, especially for a pressed style? The Pressable API, if I remember this correctly, the style prop for Pressable accepts a pressed prop that mm. helps identify the state of the pressable component. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my immediate assumption is to create our own abstraction around pressable that takes in those restyle props and maps them down to those various two states 
for the pressed and non-pressed state for, for the pressable components. I think that should cover your basis and that'll just, yeah, you're all set. Yeah, that sounds great. I forgot. I, I, I haven't used pressable a lot, but I, I do remember that, that it passes through the state to your styles and then it kind of can pick that up. Awesome. Um, and lastly, I, I assume uh, some of our listeners may, they, their interest may be peaked a little bit here. Is uh, is Shopify hiring right now, Harris? Ooh, indeed we are. Uh, Shopify's got this uh, goal of hiring 2,021 engineers in the year 2021, which is pretty exciting. Uh, so we're growing super fast. Shopify is also now fully remote moving forward, even post-pandemic times. So you're welcome to apply from anywhere in the world. Currently, the two major teams that are looking for folks are the shop team itself and also our retail team. And we're looking for all sorts of senior engineers, whether that's back-end, front-end, React Native, or traditional iOS and Android devs. Feel free to reach out to me, or I'll make sure to share a couple of links on my uh, Twitter after this as well. So feel free to take a look at those or you can just hit up shopify.com slash careers. That's perfect. Yeah, I'm, I, I've heard a lot of good things about Shopify. Obviously, you've been there for years now, Hardest, so they must be doing something right. <laughs> uh, and yeah, t- 2,021 engineers in one year. That is a lot of growth. That is, that is incredible. Uh, we're, you know, we're hiring a few. Uh, we're not hiring <laughs> 2,021. <laughs> So you can have you can have the the best of you can apply an infinite red and the rest go to Shopify. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, we're a little over time, so I'm not going to go into the weird bug or what's new with React Native newsletter. Go to reactnativenewsletter.com to check out the latest edition. John Major actually just pushed one out before our recording. Uh, so go check that out. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. I was actually clicking through and opening like eight different tabs <laughs> based on on all the cool stuff that that he's linked to. Um, where can people find you on Twitter, Harse? I'm a huge fan of dinosaurs. Um, there's a reason why I just mentioned that. It's pretty much because <laughs> uh, all of my social <laughs> handles across pretty much all platforms is just Harsaurus. So find me on GitHub, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. I'd love to, love to chat more about all things Shopify and React Native. Perfect. And John Major, where can people find you? At John Major C. Mazen? Um, you can find me at Mazen Chami on Twitter. And I'm at Jamin Holmgren. You can also find the podcast Twitter. Uh, go follow it right now. We'll give you, we'll give you some time. Go follow it right now. React Native RDIO. All right. You got, you got it up on Twitter yet? Go ahead and uh, click that follow button. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, while you're at it, go to React Native or RN. Dang, we, we can never remember this. Oh my we? gosh. <laughs> it's RN Newsletter. <laughs> Our newsletter. newsletter. Yeah. yeah go follow. go uh go hit, hit follow there. There's there's some good content there uh coming out as well. As always, thanks to our producer and editor Todd Worth, our transcript and release coordinator Jed Bartoski, our social media coordinator Missy Warren, and our designer Justin Husky. Thanks to our sponsor, Infinite Red. Check us out, infinite.red slash React Native. Huge thanks to Harris for joining us today. Really appreciate you coming on and and talking about uh restyle. Can't wait to check that out. And of course, thanks to all of you listening today. Make sure to subscribe and uh, we will see you all next time. 